to Tales of Wonder. I'm Martell. And our story this time is The Prince with the Nine Sorrows. A long time ago, there lived a king and a queen who had an only son. As soon as he was born, his mother gave him to the forester's wife to be nursed, for she herself had to wear her crown all day and had no time for nursing. The forester's wife had just given birth to a little daughter of her own, but she loved both children equally and nursed them together like twins. One night the queen had a dream that made the half of her hair turn gray. She dreamed that she saw the prince, her son, at the age of twenty, lying dead with a wound over the place of his heart. And near him his foster sister was standing with a royal crown on her head and his heart bleeding between her hands. The next morning the queen sent in great haste for the family fairy and told her of the dream. The fairy said, ah, This can have but one meaning, and it is an evil one. There is some danger that threatens your son's life in his twentieth year, and his foster sister is to be the cause of it. Also, it seems, she is to make herself queen. But leave her to me, and I will avert the evil chance for the dream coming beforehand shows that the fates mean that he should be saved. The queen said, Do anything, only do not destroy the forester's wife's child, for as yet at least she has done no wrong. Let her only be carried away to a safe place, and made secure, and treated well. I will not have my son's happiness grow out of another one's grave. The fairy said, Nothing is so safe as a grave. When the fates are about, still I think I can make everything quite safe, within reason, and leave you a clean as well as a quiet conscience. The little prince and the forester's daughter grew up together till they were a year old. Then one day, when the nurse came to look for them, the prince was found but his foster sister was lost, and though the search for her was long, she was never seen again, nor could any trace of her be found. The baby prince pined and pined, and was so sorrowful over her loss that they feared for a time that he was going to die. But his foster mother, in spite of her grief over her own child's disappearance, nursed him so well and loved him so much that after a while he recovered his strength. Then the forester's wife gave birth to another daughter, as if to console herself for the loss of the first. But the same night that the child was born, the queen had just the same dream over again. She dreamed that she saw her son lying dead at the age of twenty, and there was a wound in his breast, and the forester's daughter was standing by with his heart in her hand, 
and a royal crown upon her head. The poor queen's hair had gone quite white when she sent again for the family fairy and told her how the dream had repeated itself. The fairy gave her the same advice as before, quieting her fears and assuring her that, however persistent the fates might be in threatening the prince's life, all in the end should be well. Before another year was passed, the second of the forester's daughters had disappeared, and the prince and his foster mother cried themselves ill over a loss that had been so cruelly renewed. The queen, seeing how great were the sorrow and love that the prince bore for his foster sisters, began to doubt her heart, saying, What have I done? Have I saved my son's life by taking away his heart? Now every year the same thing took place. The forester's wife, giving birth to a daughter, and the queen on the same night, having the same fearful dream of the fate that threatened her son in his twentieth year, and afterwards the family fairy would come, and then one day the forester's wife's child would disappear and be heard of no more. At last, when nine daughters in all had been born to the forester's wife, and lost to her when they were but a year old. The queen fell very ill. Every day she grew weaker and weaker, and the little prince came and sat by her, holding her hand and looking at her with a sorrowful face. At last, one night, it was just a year after the last of the forester's children had disappeared, she woke suddenly, stretching out her arms and crying, Oh! Fairies, she cried, the dream, the dream. And covering her face with her hands, she died. The little prince was now more than ten years old and the very saddest of mortals. He said that there were nine sorrows hidden in his heart, of which he could not get rid, and that at night, when all the birds went home to roost, he heard cries of lamentation and pain. But whether these came from very far away or out of his own heart, he could not tell. Yet he grew slenderly and well and had such grace and tenderness in his nature that all who saw him loved him. His foster mother, when he spoke to her, of his nine sorrows, tried to comfort him, calling him her own nine joys, and indeed he was all the joy left in life for her. When the prince neared his twentieth year, the king his father felt that he himself was becoming old and weary of life. I shall not live much longer, he thought. Very soon my son will be left alone in the world. It is right, therefore, now that he should know of the danger ahead that threatens his life. For till then the prince had not known anything. All had been kept a secret between the queen and the king and the family fairy. 
The old king knew of the prince's nine sorrows, and often he tried to believe that they came by chance and had nothing to do with the secret that sat at the root of his son's life, but now he feared more and more to tell the prince the story of those nine dreams, lest the knowledge should indeed serve but as the crowning point of his sorrows and altogether break his heart for him. Yet there was so much danger in leaving the thing untold that at last he summoned the prince to his bedside, meaning to tell him all. The king had worn himself so ill with anxiety and grief thinking over the matter that now to tell all was the only means of saving his life. The prince came and knelt down and leaned his head on his father's pillow, and the king whispered into his ear the story of the dreams and of how for his sake all the prince's foster sisters had been spirited away. Before his tale was done, he could no longer bear to look into his son's face, but closed his eyes, and with long silences between, spoke as one who prayed. When he had ended, he lay quite still, and the prince kissed his closed eyelids and went softly out of the room. Now I know, he said to himself, now, at last, and he came through the wood and knocked at his foster mother's door. Other mother, he said to her, give me a kiss for each of my sisters, for now I am going out into the world to find them, to be rid of the sorrows of my heart. They can never be found, she cried, but she kissed him nine times. And this, she said, was Monica, and this was Ponica, and this was Veronica. And so on she went over every name. But now they are only names, she wept as she let him go. He went along, and he went along mile after mile. Where may you be going to, fair sir? asked an old peasant at whose cabin the prince sought shelter when night came to the first day of his wanderings. Truly, answered the prince, I do not know how far or whither I need to go, but I have a finger-post in my heart that keeps pointing me. So that night he stayed there, and the next day he went on. Where to so fast? asked a woodcutter when the second night found him in the thickest and loneliest parts of the forest. Here the night is so dark and the way so dangerous, one like you should not go alone. Nay, I know nothing, said the prince, only I feel like a weathercock in a wind that keeps turning me to its will. After many days he came to a small long valley, rich in woods and watercourses but no road ran through it. More and more it seemed like the world's end, a place unknown or forgotten of its old inhabitants. Just at the end of the valley, where the woods opened into clear slopes and hollows towards the west, he saw before him, low and overgrown, 
the walls of a little tumble-down grange. There, he said to himself when he saw it, I can find shelter for tonight. Never have I felt so tired before, or such a pain in my heart. Before long he came to a little gate, and a winding path that led in among lawns and trees to the door of an old house. The house seemed as if it had been once lived in, but there was no sign of any life about it now. He pushed open the door, and suddenly there was a sharp rustling of feathers, and nine white peahens rose up from the ground and flew out of the window into the garden. The prince searched the whole house over and found it a mere ruin. The only signs of life to be seen were the white feathers that lifted and blew about over the floors. Outside the garden was gathering itself altogether in the dusk, and the peahens were stepping daintily about the lawns, picking here and there between the blades of grass. They seemed to suit the gentle sadness of the place, which had an air of grief that has grown at ease with itself. The prince went out into the garden and walked about among the quietly stepping birds, but they took no heed of him. They came picking up their food between his very feet, as though he were not there. Silence held all the air, and in the cleft of the valley the day drooped to its end. Just before it grew dark, the nine white peahens gathered together at the foot of a great elm, and lifting up their throats they wailed in chorus. Their lamentable cry touched the prince's heart. Where, he asked himself, have I heard such sorrow before? Then all with one accord the birds sprang rustling up into the lowest boughs of the elm and settled themselves to roost. The prince went back to the house to find some corner amid its half-ruined rooms to sleep in, but there the air was close, and an unpleasant smell of moisture came from the floor and the walls, so... The night being warm, he returned to the garden, and folding himself in his cloak, lay down under the tree where the nine peahens were at roost. For a long time he tried to sleep, but could not. There was so much pain and sorrow in his heart. Presently, when it was close upon midnight, over his head one of the birds stirred and ruffled through all its feathers and he heard a soft voice say, Sisters, are you awake? All the other peahens lifted their heads and turned towards the one that had spoken, saying, Yes, sister, we are awake. Then the first one said again, Our brother is here. They all said, He is our enemy. It is for him that we endure this sorrow. Tonight, said the first, we may all be free. They answered, yes, we may all be free. Who will go down and peck out his heart? Then we shall be free. And the first who had spoken said, 
I will go down. Do not fail, sister, said all the others, for if you fail, you can speak to us no more. The first peahen answered, Do not fear that I shall fail. And she began stepping down the long boughs of the elm. The prince lying below heard all that was said. Oh, poor sisters, he thought. Have I found you at last? And are all these sorrows brought upon you for me? And he unloosed his doublet and opened his vest, making his breast bare for the peahen to come and peck out his heart. He lay quite still with his eyes shut, and when she reached the ground the peahen found him lying there, as it seemed to her, fast asleep, with his white breast bare, for the stroke of her beak. Then so fair, he looked to her, and so gentle in his youth, that she had pity on him, and stood weeping by his side, and laying her head against his, whispered, Oh, brother, once we lay as babes together, and were nursed at the same breast. How can I peck out your heart? Then she stole softly back into the tree, and crouched down again by her companions. They said to her, Our minute of midnight is nearly gone. Is there blood on your beak? Have you our brother's heart for us? But the other answered, Never a word. In the morning, the peahens came rustling down out of the elm and went searching for fat carnation buds and anemone seeds among the flower beds in the garden. To the prince they showed no sign, either of hatred or fear, but went to and fro carelessly, pecking at the ground about his feet. Only one came with drooping head and wings and sleeked itself to his caress. And the prince, stooping down, whispered in her ear, Oh, sister, why did you not peck out my heart? At night as before, the peahens all cried in chorus as they went up into the elm, and the prince came and wrapped himself in his cloak and lay down at the foot of it to watch. At midnight, the eight peahens lifted their heads and said, Sister! Why did you fail last night? But their sister gave them not a word. Alas, they said, now she has failed. Unless one of us succeed, we shall never hear her speak with her human voice again. Why is it that you weep so? They said again. Now, when deliverance is so near. For the poor peahen was shaken with weeping and her tears fell down in loud drops upon the ground. Then the next sister said, I will go down. He is asleep. Be certain I will not fail. So she climbed softly down the tree, and the prince opened his shirt and laid his breast bare for her to come and take out his heart. Presently she stood by his side, and when she saw him, she too had pity on him for the youth and kindness of his face. 
and once she shut her eyes and lifted her head for the stroke. But then weakness seized her, and she laid her head softly upon his heart and said, Once the breast that gave me milk gave milk also to you. You were my sister's brother, and she spared you. How can I peck out your heart? And having said this, she went softly back into the tree and crouched down again among her sisters. They said to her, Have you blood upon your beak? Is his heart ours? But she answered them no word. The next day the two sisters, who, because their hearts betrayed them, had become mute, followed the prince wherever he went and stretched up their heads to his caress. But the others went and came indifferently, careless except for food, for until midnight their human hearts were asleep. Only now the two sisters, who had given their voices away, had regained their human hearts perpetually. That night the same thing happened as before. Sisters, said the youngest, tonight I will go down. Since the two eldest of us have failed, my wrong is fresher in my heart than theirs. Be sure I shall not fail. So the youngest peahen came down from the tree, and the prince laid his heart bare for her beak. But the bird could not find the will to peck it out, and so it was the next night and the next, until eight nights were gone, so at last only one peahen was left. At midnight she raised her head, saying, Sisters, are you awake? They all turned and gazed at her weeping, but could say no word. Then she said, You have all failed, having all tried but me. Now if I fail, we shall remain mute and captive forever, more undone by the loss of our last remaining gift of speech than we were at first. But I tell you, dear sisters, I will not fail, for the happiness of you all lies with me now. Then she went softly down the tree and one by one they all went following her and weeping to see what the end would be. They stood some way apart, watching with upturned heads, and their poor throats began catching back a wish to cry as the little peahen, the last of the sisters, came and stood by the prince. Then she too looked in his face, and saw the white breast made bare for her beak. And the love of him went deep down into her heart, and she tried and tried to shut her eyes and deal the stroke, but could not. She trembled and sighed and turned to look at her sisters, where they all stood weeping silently together. They have spared him, she said to herself, why should not I? But the prince, seeing that she too was about to fail like the rest of them, turned and said as if in his sleep, Come, come, little pea hen, and peck out my heart. 
At that she turned back again to him, and laid her head down upon his heart, and cried more sadly than them all. Then he said, You have eight sisters, and a mother who cries for her children to return. Yet still she thought he was dreaming, and speaking only in his sleep. The other peahens came no nearer, but stood weeping silently. She looked from him to them. Oh, she cried, I have a wicked heart, to let one stand in the way of nine. Then she threw up her neck and cried lamentably with her peafowl's voice, wishing that the prince would wake up and see her and so escape. And at that all the other peahens lifted up their heads and wailed with her. But the prince never turned, nor lifted a finger, nor uttered a sound. Then she drew in a deep breath and closed her eyes fast. Let my sisters go, but let me be as I am, she cried. And with that, she stooped down and pecked out his heart. All her sisters shrieked as their human shapes returned to them. Oh, sister, oh, wicked little sister, they cried. What have you done? The little white peahen crouched close down to the side of the dead prince. I loved him more than you all, she tried to say, but she only lifted her head and wailed again and again the peafowl's cry. The prince's heart lay beating at her feet, so glad to be rid of its nine sorrows that mere joy made it live on, though all the rest of the body lay cold. The peahen leaned down upon the prince's breast, and there wailed without ceasing, then suddenly, piercing with her beak her own breast, she drew out her own living heart and laid it in the place where his had been. And as she did so, the wound where she had pierced him closed, and became healed, and her heart was, as it were, buried in the prince's breast. In her death agony she could feel it there, her own heart leaping within his breast for joy. The prince, who had seemed to be dead, flushed from head to foot as the warmth of life came back to him. With one deep breath he woke and found the little white peahen lying as if dead between his arms. Then he laughed softly and rose, his goodness making him wise, and taking up his own still-beating heart, he laid it into the place of hers. At the first beat of it, within her breast, the peahen became transformed, as all her sisters had been, and her own human form came back to her. And the pain and the wound in her breast grew healed together, so that she stood up alive and well in the prince's arms. Dear heart, said he, dear, dear heart, said she. But whether they were speaking of their own hearts or of each other's, who can tell? For which was which, they themselves did not know.
Then all round was so much embracing and happiness that it is out of reach for tongue or pen to describe. For truly the prince and his foster sisters loved each other well and could put no bounds upon their present contentment. As for the prince and the one who had plucked out his heart, of no two was the saying ever more truly told, and that they had lost their hearts to each other. Nor was ever love in the world known before that carried with it such harmony as theirs. And so it all came about, according to the queen's dream, that the forester's daughter wore the royal crown upon her head and held the prince's heart in her hand. Long before he died, the old king was made happy because the dream he had so much feared had become true. And the forester's wife was happy before she died. As for the prince and his wife and his foster sisters, they were all rather happy, and none of them is dead yet. Join me next time for another enchanting story here on Tales of Wonder. Thank you.